Hey, this is Jeffrey Reed uh, with Lifeway Kids. We're at the Kids Ministry Conference in Nashville 2015. Uh, and we've got uh, several hundred people here, almost a thousand folks, Kidmen leaders here that are hearing from the Lord about how to make their ministry better. And uh, we've got a great opportunity to talk to a great man, uh, Dr. Eric Mason. Uh, first of all, I mean, there are a lot of folks that know you, but tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do. Yeah, from, from Philadelphia, uh, but originally from Washington, D.C., but... Uh, live in Philadelphia, raising my family. Been with my wife 21 years, have four children, and I pass the Epiphany Fellowship, and I lead an organization called Thriving. So, yeah. Well, you've become a voice, uh, from what I've observed, in, in, in the Christian community on uh, uh, that's needed to be heard uh, for, for decades, but is fortunately being heard now of the importance of, of taking the gospel in the inner city, of being able to overcome fears. So we have uh, thousands of kids ministry leaders that listen to this podcast. Uh, you've become a voice uh, in, our, in our culture, I think, that, uh, that talks about the importance of taking the gospel into the inner city, into, into all cultures. And so I would love for you to talk to our kids ministry leaders about that. I've got a few questions. And the first is this. What, what have you seen that are the greatest challenges in our culture to reaching kids and families, especially in the inner city? Yeah, I think um, one of the greatest challenges to that is really, the, from a church perspective, if I can answer from that perspective, is the church needing to deal with issues of children comprehensively. Um, and what I mean by that is it's not just the piece of the Bible study. It's, the, it's sort of what I talked about in the message. It, it, children need comprehensive ministry. They need um, to be. They need to see how the gospel ministers to them sociologically, how it ministers to them psychologically. I think uh, educationally, how the gospel pervades everything. Because I think as the culture becomes more and more adept to marginalizing the church, which I think is a good thing, that it does marginalize the church because I think it makes us more war ready. Um, I, I agree with Russell Moore wholeheartedly. I think marginalization of the church is going to make us recognize how much the world sees it doesn't need us and when we see how much the world doesn't need us we see the depth of how much the world needs Jesus so when that happens what we're able to do then is we're able to see ourselves as more um, uh, intentional about doing that and children really are the best way to do it because they're so impressionable and a lot of times children are very very viable mechanisms to engage their parents really in simple ways to help them to hear the gospel to know the gospel and to meet Jesus Christ the Savior and so I think not underestimating just not underestimating the need to comprehensively minister to children I just think that wholeheartedly yeah well you said something that it, that is uh, it is it is definitely rising to the surface now in our culture that and I, I want to be careful so our people hear us that we're not saying the church, the body is marginalized, but churches are becoming, mm -hmm. uh, denominations are becoming Absolutely. marginalized. So how do you transfer, okay, it's the church's job to do this to, it's my job to do this. Every believer, every kids ministry leader, every staff person, every, honestly, every believer, how would you encourage a believer in their own private faith to take the gospel and to, to be a part of that, uh, to taking it to kids that need to hear it? Yeah, I think that very practically, I think that one of the things, I'll just tell you what we do at our church. We, we adopt, adopted four schools. We have, down the street from us, it's a school that is called the worst school in America, Strawberry Mansion High School. We've also adopted William D. Kelly, William Dick, and Duckery. And so, to be honest, in my neighborhood, I don't know, I don't know what other people's neighborhoods are like, but when the church says, what can we do to help, they're like, we've been waiting for y'all. Literally. And I know some places it's a little 
more stringent, but in my neighborhood, they they're so hungry. The neighborhood is so hungry for the church to engage it, and so we're doing like I talked about in the talk. I, I, we're doing a computer lab. We're partnering with Temple University, doing a computer lab that's going to be an entrepreneurial venture to help kids in our neighborhood to expand their understanding of entrepreneurialism. So even if you're not a kids worker in the traditional sense, there are a lot of non-conventional ways to engage children. Uh, and develop common ground with them. We have a basketball league. We have over 300 kids from our neighborhood come to that. So when you're when you're looking at those type of numbers, and we're not just talking about playing. We're talking about the kids that just come out and hang out. Their families come hang out. We get to meet their families and get and, and we I, I, we actually sow people in the midst of it and say, yo, be an evangelist. Just sit down, watch the game, and build a conversation and talk to them and talk to their children and build those relationships. We have a Christmas store where we, our Christmas store folk, where we sell items at very, very discounted rates to empower our neighborhood um, to be able to uh, not just get gifts from the church and not be empowered in giving their gift, children gifts that they've earned, um, but we empower them through the church buying the gifts at full price and discounting them almost to 5 to 15 to 20%. So they come in and, and guess what? Those people in there are children's workers too, because guess what they're doing? While the parents are shopping in our Christmas store, they're playing with the kids, talking to the kids, and so they may not be a and Sunday for Sunday, but that's seasonal. And so you, yeah. we're not talking about something that you would do every week. We're talking about season, the church needs to mobilize the church to do seasonal children's ministry and to see it as a key component to us reaching kids and getting them at the impressionable stages of life where the spirit. Where, where there's not as much acculturation of our culture that's in them that works as a volitional, emotional, or um, what's the other barrier? Intellectual barrier against the gospel. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I, every kids ministry leader is saying, I wish he was my pastor because then I could go, <laughs> then I'd have that empowerment to go out and do that. I could get my leaders rallied around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not circumventing the authority of any pastors in our country. But how does a kids ministry leader that believes 100% what you said get past their fear of doing that? How do, how do they... I, again, without without circumventing the yeah, authority yeah, yeah, yeah. of their pastor, yeah. how do they start something like that? And and I mean, they're probably going, "Amen," but I yeah. can't do that because I don't have my pastor. I don't know if they got my back, or they don't talk about it much. What would you encourage yeah. them to do? Yeah, I would. Um, I would encourage the children's ministry pastor to pray for three months first. Wow, that's specific. Pray very, pray very specific, and particularly if you know your pastor. It's not that he doesn't care about it. You're there, so he cares about it, but. The issue is the way the issue needs him to care about it, he's not quite there yet. And so what what I would do is I would pray for three months and not be divisive and start telling other people, let's pray for our pastor for three months, that he would focus on children's ministry. That would be the devil. (laughs) Like, you pray for it for three months. Seek the Lord. Spend once a week fasting or whatever for one, one meal. Just fast that one meal and pray. And then after three months, gather some material, gather some stats, and, and go to the pastor in a meeting and say, Pastor, or elders, or however your church is structured, and say, these are some things that we see in the neighborhood, and we believe in your leadership so much that we wanted to bring it to your attention because this needs to be a church-wide issue because of how it's impacting um, our, our neighborhood. And if, Pastor, if we could see these children and their families engaged, can you do... Uh, 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 this for our parents can you do or, or ask the pastor something in particular go to those schools and ask them what the church can do oh. already yeah. have that stuff for the pastor one of the things we're doing next is we're having a breakfast <clears throat> for our city workers and our teachers from those schools 
and I'm not preaching or anything. I'm just having an appreciation for them. Just loving on them. Then have the pastor speak at that, and then him build relationship, and then say during that meeting, how many how many of you feel like um, you need the church in this, and then begin developing questions. Of how would the church? How could the church impact and help these children in these schools? And then once see the past, a pastor has so much coming at him that you have to help him to see the need for it. Then that's what my team does for me. Yeah. And so, but then it's not just for him to do it. It's really not for him to do it. It's just for him to unleash whatever's in the way of the church, focusing on it intently to be done. That's what I would do. Yeah. I like that you've given some specific things uh, for kids, for ideas, you know, partnering with, mm-hmm. uh, with area schools. I think that might be a specific challenge we can give leaders to pray for it. But then to, to look for the schools, I, I'm telling you, even in the middle of affluent communities, wow. just around the corner, wow. there's a school in need. Wow. Uh, even here in Absolutely. Nashville. Absolutely. And so it's a, it might be, it might take a little work, but yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah, lift yeah. up our blinders, we can find them. Well, there's one thing that I, that I heard you say, I heard you preach a few years ago and you and a guy I listened to uh, mentions this a lot and it really may be one of the reasons that that, um, that kids struggle in our culture and it's the absence of dads. Yeah. And yeah. so I want to just, before we close, ask you this one specific question. You can help kids ministry because we all feel it. We all know those moms that come by themselves and with their right. kids week after week. Right. And in some cases, dads come, but usually it's a mom that comes. Mm-hmm. What can church leaders, kids ministry leaders do to step into that gap where there are dads absent? And maybe a second question is, how can we help our dads stay in the game? What are those, what, what can church leaders do? Yeah, my book on Manhood Restored, I do a whole chapter on daddy deprivation uh i think that one of the things that is very very important is paul has a concept in the bible of spiritual parent i can't tell you how vital that role is to people whether you're in the suburbs whether you're in rural areas whether you're in the urban areas that role even if you have parents i encourage it for my children even if they don't so i think that people have first off youth workers children's workers Kids workers have to see themselves as spiritual parents. That means that you're not overstepping the boundaries of guiding that child's life parentally. However, when it comes to spiritual things and spiritual nutrients, man, where there are deficiencies, wouldn't a, what what parent that feels like they're spiritual single parents? Because you can have a parent that's physically not a single parent, but they're spiritually a single parent because the dad's either not saved, the dad is walked away from the Lord or whatever. And I think that what that person needs to do is to lovingly, in, in purity, with gender connection. I think it needs to be a woman involved. If it's a woman, if it's a man, that's the children's worker. Yeah. I'm, to, to, like Paul says, do everything in purity in First uh, Timothy 5.2 when he talks about when ministering to women as a man. But I think that you, I think stepping in there and the mom even in encouraging that and there being some opportunities where you get particular kids, and this is important, but not, where you get particular kids over after church on Sunday with their parents or with mom, you bring them over and you have a little cook of hot dogs or whatever and y'all just chilling, play games, build relationship. Because, um, you know, Brian LaRitz gave one of the most powerful messages on spiritual father and discipleship this last weekend. He went through uh, First Timothy, Second Timothy. And he, he said the spiritual fathering and discipleship should first be relational, inspirational, doctrinal, and experiential. And a lot of times in children's work, from my estimation, it's a lot of times doctrinal. Um, but very little relational, yeah. very little inspirational, very little experiential. And so I think buffing up, the, what, those, I think you got to choose a few kids that God gives you a heart for to say, I'm going to 
do above and beyond investment than I normally do because God gives me a heart for it. I think every youth worker, can, children's worker can do that. And here's the challenge because I was, I mean, I didn't have a destructive life whatsoever, yeah. but my parents were divorced. I was a, I was a kind of a wild kid. It's the kids without dads that are the hardest to Absolutely. love and to step into, Absolutely. but the ones in most need of it. And I think what you said resonates, uh, you know, to be, to be Christ to them. Christ didn't, whenever he saw somebody hurting or saw a need, he didn't. He didn't lead with doctrine. Absolutely. He Absolutely. led with the hand. He led with the touch. Absolutely. And, uh, so I think all of those are important, and I think that um, when you do it, they'll give you a hard time at first because this they're so used to the absence. But when you, if you can allow, the, if you can give the spirit time to break through the crust of the brokenness of that wound that they're experiencing, uh, you, nice. it, you can go anywhere from there, bro. And and they'll forever be thankful and. The hope is to encourage an absentee father or father that works too much, like in a way where God weaves you into the family as a voice that they can hear. It'd, it'd be crazy. What if God uses a children's worker to restore a family? Yeah. And, and you're restoring, you're, you're in the future, you're putting a seed in that child's Absolutely. heart because he experienced the love of God. Absolutely. And he's less likely to be one of those absentee Absolutely. fathers as he gets older because he's like, I remember that and I want to be that to my kids Absolutely. if they ever have them. So, well, man, I appreciate you. Uh, if you guys want to follow uh, Pastor uh, Eric Mason, you can do it. His uh, Twitter is Pastor E. Mace, and that's M-A-S-E, not C-E. I wonder if there's a Pastor Mace out there. I've always wondered that. It is. It oh, is. boy. Well, he's a, <laughs> if you want to follow uh, Dr. Mason, it's uh, Pastor E. Mace. Uh, and then uh, same uh, website as too, PastorEmace.com. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you. Thank you for being Thank here you guys today. For uh, me. We are live at the Kids Ministry Conference. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Reed with the Lifeway Kids team. We are praying that God will use you in ways bigger than you can imagine to reach more kids and families than you ever thought possible with the hope of Jesus Christ. Have a great day. Bless you.